the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Praise to the God who reigns above. Up to chapter 21, we have seen Jesus reveal he is the Messiah spoken of in the prophets. The scribes and Pharisees have been doing all they could to undermine Jesus' earthly ministry. They wanted him dead. Jesus pointed out a widow, giving her two mites as an offering to the Lord. The disciples idolized the temple and thought the Messiah would come establish his kingdom against the Roman Empire. Jesus spoke of the coming destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. The disciples had many questions about this and the end of all things. Jesus warned them that people will try to make false claims of the coming kingdom. He told them that persecution would be coming for his followers before his return. The world would reject Jesus again, thinking they don't need him. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 21, verse 26. 26. Mankind then will have made their irrevocable decision to side with the Antichrist and to side with Satan. And these people who've done this, they start to see it happening. As the campaign of Armageddon begins to fall out, they begin to realize this guy's he, he's, he's not going to win. We've got three other coalitions of nations that are going, uh-uh, we're not bound down to you. Culminates in this campaign of Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo, where, where so many amazing battles throughout history have been fought. If you go to us to, with us to Israel, you'll see why. This valley spreads out. It looks like everything you can ever imagine of a valley where battles are fought. And that's why so many battles were fought there in history. All of that will culminate in a place where mankind, Jesus prophesied, that if he didn't come back, we'd destroy ourselves from the face of the earth. That's what he's going to lead us to, the brink of destruction. They're going to know that. They're going to see that. They're going to see that the Antichrist isn't going to win, that Satan's going to not win, the powers of the earth will be shaken, and all of it's going to come crumbling down. But they will remain. <laughs> they will remain firm in their rejection of God. It is so sad that they'd rather live what's left of their lives in fear of an impending judgment they know is coming than ask for mercy. That is so sad. But it's been the way it always has been. I've been at, at people's beds when they're about to die. You see those who know the Lord and you know, they have questions, but it's very different from someone who doesn't know the Lord. I've been amazed at how angry people can be at someone that they, don't, they believe doesn't exist. I, I, I am. I'm amazed how angry people can be at someone they think doesn't exist. I don't say that to mock. There are those who, knowing full well what's coming, still won't bend the knee today. So surprised this will happen then just the lines will be a lot more clear. The crazy part is this isn't even the worst part of that story. People read about God's judgment on the Canaanites. We're covering that in Joshua right now. This, you know, I could never follow God like that. Can I ask you, what else is God supposed to do? 
Are we supposed to just let us keep wrecking this place? Keep hurting each other? You wouldn't let your own kids do that. I love my kids. That's why I discipline my kids. I don't want them to grow up and become whatevers. But you know what? I can't control what choice they make. And eventually, there's consequences for that, right? Now, God is the perfect God. He's been so gracious and so merciful to permit us as much time as we've had. He gave the Canaanites 400 years. And then the testimony of all the Canaanites is this. We know that your God is with you, Israel. We know that he's here, he's here to judge us for our sin. We know that we can't beat him. And yet when you read the book of Joshua, what do the Canaanites all do? Come out to fight. We want to preserve our way of life. We don't care. We don't want to repent. And so we'll fight you till our death. And they do, with a few exceptions. And guess what? In every instance, the Gibeonites found mercy. Rahab found mercy. Any Canaanite that wanted mercy, God would give it to him like that. God doesn't send anyone to hell. God doesn't slaughter anyone. They choose it. Jesus said in the book of uh, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, whoever it was, I think it's Paul. <laughs> should know that by now. I always let it slip as spoilers. There's a, a verse in chapter 10 which says that to get to hell, you have to literally walk over Jesus' dead body. You have to trample underfoot the blood of God's son, counting it an unworthy thing. I don't need it. I don't need it. Don't want it. That's not God's fault. It gets worse because we look here and we see this. Well, after Jesus comes back, he's going to set up a kingdom where it is going to be everything we've ever wanted. No crime, no hunger, no environmental problems, no culture clashes, none of that. Righteousness will cover the earth like water covers the sea. And those who survive the tribulation are, are believers will be the ones who go into this. They will know what happened here. They will know how bad it was because they saw the Antichrist bring humanity to the edge of extinction. And as their kids grow up and they hear those stories and they live in a utopia for a thousand years, the Bible says there won't even be sickness, there'll be long life. It says if you're 100 years old, you'll be considered a kid. At the end of those thousand years, that generation that's born during that time, they're gonna say, we could do better. We don't believe all that stuff. We don't really believe mankind brought itself to the brink of extinction. We can do better than the Antichrist. And when Satan is loose so that people will be able to act on those thoughts and to have, make their choice, the Bible says at the end of those thousand years that a host you can't count will surround Jerusalem to dethrone Jesus. It doesn't matter how God does it because the problem's inside here. Problem has never been up there and never will be up there. The problem's inside here. And if I just stubbornly think I know better than God and my way is better than God's, nothing externally that God does can fix that, whether he brings judgment or he brings peace. At some point, you have to come to the place where you stop being arrogant and you say to yourself, you know what, Will? You ain't all that. You don't know everything. And it is extremely haughty and prideful to think that you would know better than someone who made you and someone who knows everything. When this happens, that stubborn heart is what we see here. They know the powers of the heaven are going to be shaken. They know judgment's coming. It's impending, and they're terrified of it, but they refuse to ask for mercy. And so this stubbornness is why God does what he does. Verse 27, Luke 21. And then... When the Antichrist and Satan are in full control, full command of everything, but losing everything, bringing humanity to the brink of destruction, then 
shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This glory, amen, is right. (laughs) And this glory is revealed in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. After all our best efforts have resulted in coming to the place of destroying ourselves, Jesus will appear to rescue us from ourselves, from the hero we chose. Revelation 19, verse 11, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, the word behold means check this out. Check this out, a white horse, and this one's the real deal. Remember seal one was the false deal? It says, and I saw the first seal was broken, and the angel said, come and see. And I saw a white horse, and him who rode on it was given power to conquer. And he had a crown on his head, one crown, one crown on his head. And he had a bow with which he would go forth to conquer, no arrows. He's going to come with this message of peace and prosperity, and we're going to fix the environment. We're going to fix culture class. We're going to fix race class. We're going to fix humanity. We're going to get it all right. But he's a false king with one crown. Well, I saw heaven open, and now the real one comes. Behold, check this out, the real deal, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true, the real Messiah. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, not one crown. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There'll be no one who can resist him. There'll be no Armageddon when he's done. When that Jerusalem gets surrounded at the end of the thousand years, there won't be a fight. The Lord will speak, and they'll be gone. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. We'll get to hear it in verse 16. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations. That with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, here it is, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Luke 21, it says that he comes in a cloud in verse 27 with power and great glory. We see the power and great glory here, but verse 14 is the cloud. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us. That's us. We are there clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I have frequently get asked, say, Pastor Will, I'm, I'm a little concerned. When I get to heaven, I'm worried I'm going to get kicked out. Then maybe I'll rebel then. Maybe I'll blow it then. I'll sin then. Or I'll make bad decisions then. Here's the beautiful thing about our new bodies. When we get our new bodies, they won't have that opportunity. These bodies are designed for this life. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Terrestrial bodies are designed for a terrestrial realm. But our celestial, our heavenly bodies are designed for a different realm. And so they won't have the opportunity to sin. They won't have the opportunity to make bad choices. Our good choice to receive Christ and follow him will already have been made. And that choice will be what irrevocably keeps us to the end and into eternity, right? So you don't have to worry about that. So it's not like you're going to get to heaven and all of a sudden you're going to blow it. And they're going to be like, all right, guys, it's time to ride out, except you. (laughs) There will be none of that. There'll be none of that. You have to stay home. I'll deal with you when I get back. None of that. You're there. Now, I've heard people say, and I'll be fighting for Jesus. You're part of the army, but you're not doing any fighting. The Bible says he speaks and they melt. It's over. 
We just ride with them because the Bible says, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, John 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. If I go away, it's to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be. We'll always be wherever he is because we're his bride. We'll be with him wherever he goes. So we'll be here in that moment. That's us in the cloud. As we look at this, we look like, for example, we look at the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem as a judgment on, on God's people, but he's not done with them. He's going to bring them back in again in the future. And then we look at the persecution of the church, and we see that you know, there's the, the, the benefit of that is we get to have a testimony, right? We get to have a testimony. But you look at this and you go, what good comes from this? You know, what good can know, knowing this do in our lives? How can this help us? Well, verse 28 is the lesson. It was supposed to be one of three. It's only going to be one today. And as verse 28 says, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. That phrase begin can be a little bit confusing because you think, well, when these things, you think, well, the tribulation things come to pass, happen, then lift up your head. Well, oh, so we will be there. No, no, no. The word begin there, it means the initiation of a process. Okay, so literally what it's saying here is, and when you see the process of these things initiated, that's when you look up. That's when you lift up your head because redemption is close. It's near. So we will not be here for the seven-year process of God's judgment, the tribulation period, but we will see the mystery of iniquity at work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, they were a church that because of the persecution they were going through, because of the evil they were seeing around them, they thought, we missed the rapture. We're in the tribulation. It's right now. The Antichrist is here. He's dealing with us. And so they wrote to Paul because that scared them. They were worried. Paul had taught them differently. And so he says at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, listen, don't believe anybody who tells you something different than we did. Whether it's someone who says, you know, that, that they heard from God, they got a special message from God, whether they heard from an angel, or whether they've even got a letter signed by us, because that's not what I taught you. I taught you, we go before. That day, that day won't occur until there's a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the Antichrist be revealed. The Antichrist hasn't been revealed yet, so you don't have to worry about this. But they were thinking, but all these bad things are happening. It looks like it's that time. So Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.7, he goes, listen, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. What does that mean? Well, the mystery of iniquity, you ever heard the phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? True. But there's another plan. Satan hates you and he has an awful plan for your life. That's the mystery of iniquity. He has a plan for humanity as well. Now, that plan does not clash with God's plan or whatever. I mean, all God has to do is say no, and he puts the kibosh on it. It's done. It's over. But it's, he's always trying to bring it about. He, his, this mystery of iniquity, Paul says, is already at work. Satan is always trying to set his plan in motion. So there are times in history when it looked like it might be headed that way. There are times in history when the church was looking going, I think the process is starting. I think the process is starting. I think we're seeing the process of this. The early church thought that. Protestant Reformation, they thought that. There have been other times in history where the church has thought, hey, this is what Jesus warned us about. The processes are starting. The tribulation's close. But the reality is God is the one who's in control. Satan doesn't determine when that happens. He determines. God determines when Satan is allowed to fulfill his full plans. So what happened is, at the end of that verse says, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. But he who holds back will hold back until God wills him not to. 
So the Holy Spirit is holding that plan back until it's the right time. So we may see pieces set in place from time to time in history, but then God stops it. So the idea here is if you see the pieces beginning to be put in place, well, then look up. Because if it's the real deal, guess what? Your redemption's close. That's the message, the lesson for us. See, when I look around today, (laughs) a lot of things look like the board is being set. I mean, to me, I think we're in that time. I think we're going to see that. I wanted to share it this week, but it's going to have to wait till next week if the Lord tarries. If not, you won't miss out on anything because we get to live it. But even though a lot of things today look like the board is being set, that Satan is moving his pieces in place, that these processes are beginning, like Jesus mentions here, even though that's the case, the important part isn't whether we're the generation that that happens to, but how we react to the troubling things we see. He says, when, if you happen to see these processes start, he says, look up. And the word look up, it means straighten up. And it's in contrast or opposed to being bowed down with sorrow. When you see these processes happening, persecution, you see the board being set, don't go, oh man, I think times are going to be bad. Times are going to get rough. He says, no, straighten up. Straighten up and then lift up your head. The phrase lift up your head means to demonstrate courage in the face of danger. Don't be bowed over and go, oh, we got to go in. We got to hunker down in a, in a barrack somewhere. We got to hide. We got to get canned goods. Don't do that. He says, straighten up, lift up your head, and look danger in the eye and get to work. Because guess what? They might do something to this body, but my redemption draws nigh. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That redemption he's talking about is mentioned in Romans chapter 8, verses, I think it's 18, yeah, 18 through 23. Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever they can do to this thing, and, and trust me, the older I get, the less attached I get to this thing. The less attached it is to me. So it's not worthy. It can't compare to what is going to be revealed, that new body that's coming. See, how do you know he's talking about the new body? We keep reading. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God to see us fully realize who we are in Christ. That full salvation, that glorification. For the creation was made subject to emptiness. Not willingly. You know, people didn't come to the world and go, you know, I just want a big empty space in me that nothing seems to fill. God, God did that. God designed us that way. He designed us that there's only one thing that can satisfy the longing in our soul, longing in our heart. It won't be romance. It won't be job. It won't be hobby. It won't be success. It won't be any of those things. Only he can satisfy the longing of our heart. So he created us that way. The creature was made subject to emptiness, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. See, I'm looking forward to the day when all, all of that will be fulfilled and I'll, I'll fully realize the full satisfaction I have in Christ. Because the creation itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. All of creation is longing for the day when everything will be fixed. But not just they, we ourselves also groan. Why? Because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We've got a taste of it. 
Spirit lives inside of us. We've got a taste of that satisfaction. We've got a taste of glory, but not the full glory. So what are we waiting for? It says, waiting for the adoption to wit, or that is, the redemption of our body. Look up, lift up your head for your redemption draws near. You've got a new body coming. You've got a new model waiting for you. So let them do whatever they want to this one. The time is short. The whole point of Jesus sharing this with us is he's saying that being in the thick of persecution or seeing a culture turn against God, it's not the time to give up. I uh, meet with pastors regularly. 23 years I've been a pastor. And in interacting with pastors, I've come to see an interesting thing is that as my church that, that I'm a part of is going through struggles or going through things that the Spirit of God's doing, it's not unique. Often when we get together, God's doing the same thing everywhere or we're experiencing the same trials everywhere. And one of the things that I keep hearing from other pastors is we're not seeing people come forward during altar calls. We're not seeing people respond to the gospel like they used to. A lot of hard hearts, a lot of stubborn hearts. People just don't seem to be as open as they were before. Okay. Does that mean we give up? Does that mean we stop? We, we don't do it because it's easy. We don't do it because people want us to do that. We do it because we've got a job to do. We don't want them to go through this time that we talked about. It's not time to give up. But the, the other thing I think I see a lot in the church today too is I see the church sees antagonism against Christ or church or Christianity and they, wanna, they don't give up. They want to fight back. Let's fight back. You can't say that to me. You can't say that about, you know, about my, my faith or my this or my faith or my this or my country or whatever it might be. Whatever kingdom it is I'm trying to defend. This is not the time to give up nor the time to fight back. It's the time to get to work when we see these things. To lift up our head, look danger in the eye, and to say, you know what? I have a great commission, and it's to make disciples. That's the great commission. We can't hole up in a bunker, nor can we become freedom fighters for some kingdom we're trying to build here. We must demonstrate the courage to love our enemy and to build God's eternal kingdom by convincing and persuading and reasoning with and winning as many lost souls to Christ before this judgment begins. So if you look around and you see, man, it looks like the pieces are in place. Okay, get to work. That's the lesson. Get to work because the time is short. If it is our time, if this is it, and I do believe it is, we've got a lot of work to do and limited time to do it. Because when the Lord comes back, time will be up. There's only one thing you can't do in heaven, and that's share your faith. You can't win somebody to Christ when you're in heaven. You can only do that here. And so, God, through Christ here, he is teaching us, teaching his disciples. He says, guys, listen, you might go through persecution. You might start seeing the board finding pieces on it, moving into place. It looks like Satan's plan is coming to, to pass. But don't be discouraged by that. And don't, don't think you need to fight back and preserve your country or your kingdom or whatever, your church. He says, get to work. Lift up your head. Look up. Face the danger because you're going to get a new body soon anyway. If it is the time, it could happen any moment. And then... Who will care what anybody thinks about you? Who will care what they do to this body? Because you'll be in the new one that no one can ever touch or harm. You'll be in a place where every knee is bowed, every tongue confesses that Christ is Lord. Everything is done perfectly as God wants. So while we have time here, let's share our faith. Let's all stand.
Lord, you tarry still. And that means our work isn't done. The fact that you haven't come back means there's others out there that you want to rescue through us. You want us to be a part of their rescue, Lord, from their sin and from their rebellion against you. So, Lord, we confess to you this morning that we don't want to be the person that's holding it up. (laughs) We want to be faithful witnesses, Lord, true witnesses for you. And so we ask, Lord, that you would make us aware of our time that we live in, Lord. Yes, we see a lot of pieces in place. Even if it's not our time, though, Lord, we're to act as if it is, as if you are coming back very soon, as if the end is near. Because when we have that in our minds, Lord, and we have a love that comes from you for those who are going to experience that time if they don't know you, Lord, that will move us to persuade them, to reason with them, to not reject you, to escape that time while they still can. So Lord, that's the good we learn from this. That's the good from learning about this horrible time of stubbornness and rebellion is we have time now, our time now, when that's not going on to share our faith. So God, we pray that you would enable us in our country to live peaceably still, to live freely so that we can share our faith freely. And then Lord, we pray that you would give us boldness either way to share our faith with those in our sphere of influence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.